Before we get started for this week's show, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in with a special shout out to those who support us on Patreon. We'll give you the link later at the end of the show, but while there is little on-field action, there are still so many stories to share. From just $2 US a month as a patron, you can access extended podcasts and other bonus content. This week, we chat to Chris Pearce in part one of our discussion on Czech cricket, and we catch up on some more news from around the world. Keep an eye out at EmergingCricket.com and our various social media channels, and make sure to give us a five-star rating, and if you can, a review wherever you are listening to the show. Welcome once again to another Emerging Cricket Podcast online and on Sport FM in Perth. I'm Daniel Beswick and with me are my two co-hosts once again. Up in Brisbane first, Tim Cutler. Tim, how's things? Very well, Daniel. Things getting more normal by the week. Actually got down to the Gold Coast last weekend. Very strange being out and about again, seeing people do normal things. Got food, ate by the beach, walked along the beach as one does in at the start of winter. That's uh, Queensland living for you. <laughs> But no, otherwise good. Still working away and getting no smaller. How about yourself? I, I, I hear you've got news for us. Oh, what is it? Beautiful one day, perfect the next up there, Timothy? Yeah, as, as a man from Sydney, marooned here for love, I'll, I'll just smile and nod at that. <laughs> smile and wave, boys. Yeah, no, um, good news on the job front. Just picked up some temporary work just to get myself by a couple of days per week, which I'll be doing from home, which is good. And hopefully uh, not too much time taken away from the emerging cricket movement and someone who's had his nose to the ground looking for anything emerging cricket worthy over the course of lockdown copernicus cricket on twitter nick skinner nick how are you i'm all right i've had my nose to the ground in another sense this afternoon with a leaky tap underneath the sink uh, which has been a bit of a pain to get fixed at the moment i've got a little bucket there sitting underneath it catching the drips but hopefully we can uh, sort that out later on uh any danger of a plumber or... Yeah, no, and no no Whitland dismissal tonight. <laughs> well, we, I reached the end of the series and, well, we all know how it ended. <laughs> For everyone outside of Australia not getting our inside jokes, let us know where you are listening to the podcast with the hashtag ECPod. We're going to chat with Chris Pierce a little bit later on to discuss Czech cricket in a few moments. But before we do, we've got some news and live cricket to talk about. And again, as we reach relative cricketing normality, uh, we've seen action in Vanuatu as well as Europe and we'll start with Vanuatu again and Nick you can rest easy knowing that your mighty Afate Panthers are through to the tournament final on Saturday afternoon my Bulls and Tim your Sharks we've got to battle it out in what is essentially a semi-final a qualifying match for that final later on in the afternoon but the Panthers did secure a win defeating the Sharks on Saturday it was your boy Wes Virilio coming through again Nick he's turning out to be quite a find in this competition a lot of people were well they knew it his capabilities with the ball he's a big bustling right arm sort of in swinging bowler but he's come out and he's shown some ability with the bat yeah uh, number three well joint third with Josh Razu on the runs tally as well as taking a bunch of wickets and yeah I think a lot of people have been surprised with a few of these players and and that's one of the things we were saying you know at the start of the tournament it'll be good to see some of these guys showing what they can do on a domestic level and um, you know the fact that Josh Razu is the joint leading wicket taker when he barely bowls for the national team and yeah, as you say, Wes Vera's been a revelation with the bat as well, striking it over 200. And yeah, it's it's been great. And I think, yeah, maybe the uh, the first match where they went down to the Bulls, 
was a bit of a wake-up call. They looked a bit sloppy in that game. You know, we, we saw a couple of great catches from the Bulls, but the Panthers, you know, Vera bowled the opener, Philip Tioni with a no ball, and then Mansali and Tioni were both dropped in consecutive deliveries at Cow Corner by uh, Kennedy Kenneth, who then went off uh, with the, uh, the old embarrassment injury. But <laughs> yeah, Panthers looked a bit sharper in the second game. Bowled really tightly to close out the match against Tim's Sharkies. But uh, yeah, I think a bit of a relaxing morning watching you two boys fight it out. Yeah, it's poor old Sharkies. Uh, Nipico can't take a bloody trick, can he? Yeah, he got a half tracker, goes back to hoy it uh, way over. I'm not sure what that big building is in the background. It looks like a school or something like that. But and I don't know. I don't know how he managed to hit it as poorly as he did. That little top edge that almost dropped on the square leg's head. So that was um, frustrating to watch. But uh, yeah, you mentioned Josh Razu. I've been really impressed with his spin bowling, especially bowling in T10 cricket with those shortish boundaries and guys willing to go him straight. Really tossing the ball up nicely. I, I see a bright future for him and the, the national team as they are building, you know, we see Shane Dietz talk about on Facebook and building these these young guys coming through with all some multifaceted skill bases. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited and I, it's just so good to get a chance to see these guys at this part of their development. If you haven't seen the catch yet doing the rounds on social media, Philip Tione's catch on the boundary where he jumps up and leaps and takes this catch one-handed. I think he almost misjudges it, but he's able to hang in the air for a little bit longer and 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 holds on to this remarkable catch and I think in the report that I did after the day I went quite in vogue and, and said he looked more like an NBA basketballer with that vertical leap trying to channel my last dance uh, my, my last dancer influences over the last few weeks. But another catch that was excellent was Patrick Mataltava, who took a catch diving to his left. Arguably better, didn't quite get as much traction on social media, ended up drop kicking the ball in celebration, but he was also... Mm, just so Victorian. <laughs> yeah. That was like Dean Jones circa, you know, 90, 93, 94. Well, he's got the Victorian influence. Yeah, he plays a bit of club cricket in Melbourne, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he went off injured in the end, didn't he? And waited for someone to get their trousers is on the sideline to come on. It's like, yes. I want to know whether he has he injured his shoulder or has he injured his left foot after drop punting it in? No, yeah, I have had it confirmed that it was his shoulder and he didn't come out and bat. And it didn't really seem to do the Bulls any harm. They ended up chasing down 94 in, I think it was less than seven overs. I think it was 6.5 overs in an outstanding chase between particularly Tioni and Mansali, Andrew Mansali, who did most of the damage. Andrew Mansali, I suppose, finally showed, you know, his devastating best with the bat and being a former national team captain but his stroke play was sublime some of those on drives and straight drives classic the bat swing coming around was technically solid Nick it was a joy to watch well the hitting down the ground was really impressive but I think my favorite shot of his from that innings was a a cut shot that he played with so much bat speed that it sort of it was just blurred and the fact that he could play that off the back foot I mean to an extent that's the pitch being a bit slow but it just showed his eye is is fantastic and you know, we've seen that in a few other innings, that series I mentioned last week against Malaysia that they played uh, a few months ago now. But he, he's always been a key member of their batting lineup, and I don't think that's going to change too much over the next few years. I, think, I just want to go back to that uh, thing you mentioned there, Tim. Yeah, Matt Tautava was, uh, was supposed to go off injured, but the subfielder was uh, still just hanging out with his trousers <laughs> just in a, in a pile on the ground, and he had his shorts on and uh, chilling out. So a bit of a rookie mistake there, not ready to, to come on, but... Yeah, all, all part 
the fun of the tournament. What do we know about, I don't know his first name, but Tari, pace bowler for your Panthers. Uh, Kenneth. Yeah, Kenneth. I've only caught, um, well, I caught the highlights rather than the full game, but bowling some sort of shorter balls there towards the back end of the, the Sharks innings. I think he's got potential as well. He sort of falls over a little bit, but geez, just so much talent. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, there's a name for me that I, I picked out to see in terms of a really natural action that just needs someone who can get him staying up a little bit more and get that, that speed coming through and you know, really getting over that, that that front leg a bit more. But yeah, how, how natural are some of those catches? You know, we talk about Matatavas and it's just like, yeah, they just take it, shrug shoulders, but there's also a huge skill differential, isn't there? You see some guys coming in sort of crocodiling it and just sort of taking a breath of, you see other guys, easy as you like, drop punt it back in and uh, it's, it's good to see. I think that is partly just the fact that these guys probably play a lot more. So obviously Matatava, as we said, plays a bit of grade cricket in Australia and some, I think Josh Razu plays at uh, Shane Dietz's old club actually in, in South Australia and a few of the other guys get a lot more regular cricket but it is impressive the amount of talent coming out of Vanuatu you know a country of what two three hundred thousand if that and they have so much quality I think, yeah, just looking at Tari, I'd be interested to see him bowl on a more pace-friendly deck. You know, he's, he's done a few of those little um, slower ball, short balls, and, and he's got a bit of sort of springiness. So it'd be interesting to see it going mm. on, a, on a quicker surface that he'll he'd be able to extract maybe a bit of cut off an awkward kind of length and... Yeah, I, I don't know. Just this pitch has been very spin-friendly so far, as as we've seen with Razu and co. You know what he had a little bit in him? A bit of Mackay and Teeny. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the he- head down. And I was sort of thinking to myself, like, who has done really, you know, pretty okay as an international cricketer <laughs> and kind of has that similar fall away, not really looking where he's bowling. Well, at least that's what it looks like to the naked eye. So it doesn't mean he's got to change too much. And I'm not saying that we should be coaching talent out of every young cricketer you see come through to make him look like a coaching manual. But yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, we're, we're on a faster week, but also one where he his change of pace will make more of a difference as opposed to it being on this slower wicket. But in saying that, you're talking about that shot that rocketed through point. I saw a few of those. That's not too bad for a uh, clay wicket without a, a natural grass yep. um, mm. base holding it together. So, you know, just again to see, similar to the PNG team probably, you know, if you've got these guys together playing on some hard wickets in an Aussie grade comp or, you know, a higher level, which they, they should be playing anyway, and just a bit bit more pace coming onto it, geez, they'd definitely be worth a few bucks to go uh, in the gate to watch. Yeah, I agree with that. The standard of the fielding over the course of the competition is really great, especially on the boundary. They seem to have been really calm in situations where the ball is kind of on, you know, whether or not to keep it in, in play or to try and catch it. But McMillan Mark here on a couple of occasions has athletically kept the ball in. I felt sorry for Kennedy Kenneth. But, you know, that, that situation where yeah. the ball just follows you when you... Dig me a hole. <laughs> yeah, when you're not quite seeing them well, all of a sudden in the field, they, they start being hit too. Yeah. Oh, we've all been there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Look, the first time these guys are on TV, you know, I've dropped two catches. Oh, but in saying that, they've all been pretty chilled out there anyway. And you know what? And sorry, I'm talking over you again, Daniel. But you know what? I haven't seen. I haven't seen any sledging. I haven't seen any anyone having a go at umpires' decisions. You know, there's been a couple of decisions, touch and go, and umpires not always in the best position with sort of a lot of a lot going on. But they shrug their shoulders, walk off, and I think that could have adds to the spectacle as well with the sort of rough and ready as it is with camera people doing it that hadn't done cricket before with the, the setup of the outfield and whatnot. But I think it adds to it just to, to have that atmosphere where you can see everyone's having fun and happy to be there. I think it really does add to the spectacle. It's fascinating, isn't it? I know the Vanuatu Blast 
past probably isn't the best example of this, but with associate cricket, with so much context and so much meaning on a lot of games, we've seen a lot of teams cop the you know the rough end of many a decision, but we never see anyone really blow up about it. I think about Scotland when they missed out on the 50-over World Cup in that qualifier a couple of years ago, and they were there, sat with the West Indian players after the game as if nothing had happened. They were obviously disappointed with what transpired a little bit earlier, but you never really saw anyone blow up about it. And then you see you know matches with no context in full member cricket and someone gets a, an LBW shout turned down and all of a sudden it's the end of the world which you know looking at associate cricket the way we do you, you kind of struggle to see what's the point of just going absolutely ballistic here well we have seen people go ballistic on the field but that was generally Scott McKechnie and Essan Khan when they were running together when they kept running each other out <laughs> <laughs> I think I've seen them do that three or four times now and they were all at World Cricket League Division 2 but no I'm with you it's rare you see a harsh word spoken to an umpire and generally that the games are played in a surprisingly good spirit considering what's on the line but uh, you know as we heard with your your great interview with, with Shane Dietz when we went live on Facebook about him talking about the pressure cooker of associate cricket I, you know, can't really describe it better yeah it's very much a universal feeling isn't it Nick knowing how much pressure there is on on international cricket at the associate level everyone it, it's almost the universal language of associate cricket everyone knows how uh, how much is bearing on a lot of these matches yeah, and it's you know it's one of those things where, as you said, you know, a wrong LBW decision costs you a spot in the World Cup, and that's you know not just the chance to be on the biggest stage, but millions of dollars in funding that they could have put to development programs. And I guess th- there's a weight of all the coaching staff and support staff who, if things go badly in a tournament, a lot of them might not have a job. And you know, there's all these kinds of calculations that the you know, the admins have to make every time a, a team loses in, at this level. And and I guess it is kind of surprising, although maybe this is just because we're condition to Australian cricket culture but it is kind of amazing I think that there isn't more blowing up at umpires and, and abusing of each other well, it's funny you mentioned the million dollars for Scotland I remember when Jared Kimber was in Hong Kong in early 2017 for that World Cricket League Championship Series against the Netherlands and he was talking to me and asking me what it means at the end of the World Cricket League Championship and I talked about what's happening with the Super League and funding etc and that was the base of his story the, the million dollar game that Hong Kong lost when they should have chased down the Netherlands total and I think it was about 320 that Hong Kong should have chased down on that tiny Tinkwong Road ground. But it's funny, isn't it? You look at the Scotland thing as well, you know, and these decisions go either way. You know, there's nothing in full member cricket that goes close to that in terms of percentage of funding to country or total player pool that could go either way. Uh, before we do run through the scenario on Saturday, uh, I did want to make one more point before we do move on, and that was the social media game of Vanuatu has been pretty strong in recent days where we have... Melissa Fare's cameo appearance in uh, the T10 Blast videos, the promotional videos, uh, taking Shane Dietz's spot in the CEO chair of the Vanuatu Cricket Office. And I found that quite amusing. I'm sure you guys did as well. Was that Melissa Fare or Dr. Evil? <laughs> yeah, it was. Yes, exactly. Uh, to run through the scenario for Saturday, it's uh, essentially, as we said, a semi final between the Ethereum Sharks and the Melee Tafea Bulls to go into that final. The winner of that will play the mighty Afate Panthers in the final. And just quickly, boys, one more final thing. Uh, We could see a situation where the team who has the week off are a little bit rusty. To not play that earlier game and to have the winner of that first match of the day back up and play a second match, is 
is that almost advantageous? Yeah, if you've come through with flying colours as you would have had to have to won the game uh, and on a wicket that by Shane Dietz's only admission gets better as the day goes on because they have more water on it early on so it holds together. So no, definitely, but all the better. You know, the stronger team's gone through with a, let's call it the bye early on Saturday to play a team that's going to come through red hot after winning the game before. So it should make for a great Saturday afternoon's watching. Looking forward to it immensely and hopefully the MT Bulls can uh, power through. Uh, let's move now to Finland and we've had two competitions cross over each other in the country in terms of club shorter format cricket Nick and to be honest it's been a little bit tricky to keep up but we're trying our, our utmost to make sure we do first of all there is the Finnish Premier League 2020 uh, we have Helsinki Cricket Club and SKK with two wins each and then the competition that overlaps is the Finnish T10 league as well and the Bengal Tigers have got two wins there and they top the table in that league. Um, the stream's been great. The, the hours of the night that it's on haven't been ideal for us but <laughs> it's been easy enough to, to go back and, and watch those matches on delay. The European Cricket Network are, are running both of those. So there have been a couple of interesting performers but I think more importantly how have you gone about distinguishing between the two leagues because you know even from the outside as, as people interested in cricket it has been a little bit tricky to keep up with them. Yeah, I mean, first off, I think it's worth pointing out the ECN, uh, European Cricket Network uh, website, and their coverage of it has been fantastic, you know, with scorecards and highlights and, and all of the rest of it. Yeah. Really top quality production there, but yeah, as you say, it's a bit strange the way they've sort of structured this. And, you know, I'm looking at the fixtures here. We've got the Finnish Premier League going along. And then the very next day, we've got the Finnish 10-10 League. And it's the same clubs, but just playing 10 overs instead of 20 overs. And to add to the confusion, I guess, one of the games of the, the T20 League was, was shortened by rain as well. So I'm, I'm not quite sure what the thinking is behind this, having a, a T20 Premier League competition being sort of interrupted by a T10 sandwiched in the middle almost and I mean why not just go with one or the other um, you know you look at Vanuatu and, and the Czech Republic as well coming up they've both gone in on the T10 and, and they've made that the league and they've gone with the branding and it, it's very clear whereas the Finnish clubs are sort of I don't understand what's going on and, and, and it's sort of a bit almost sucking the momentum out because I was really enjoying the T20 comp and then they're sort of they're putting that on hold to, to play a completely different competition at the same time and it doesn't really make sense to me. We'll keep you up to date with the Finnish Premier League T20 competition but as one T10 Finnish league finishes, uh. sorry guys, uh, we have another T10 league on our hands as well in the Czech Republic, the Czech T10 Super Series starting this week. Uh, before we do chat to Chris Pierce in regards to the growth of Czech cricket and his role in developing some of the talent coming through, what are we looking forward to here? Again, as I said, starting on the 13th of June and going all the way into mid-July. A great way for Czech cricket to experience themselves out into the open via the European Cricket Network once again, who yeah, they seem to be doing uh, the most work out of almost anybody in the world of cricket right now and getting streams out there to, to the general public. We, we know there's a, there's a few players out there playing some high-level cricket, at least on the international level, but we, we do get to see some teams uh, in Czech domestic cricket, and there are plenty of teams, some great names as well, Nicholas. Um, is there anyone who, who you're kind of looking out for in regards to the Czech T10 Super Series? Uh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing the Visigoths play because any team named after a barbarian horde is sure to be very good to watch and probably good to see. Uh, and um, 
Their world record holder, Sadesh Wickramasekera, who absolutely smashed everyone to all corners in the, uh, I think it was a quad series that they hosted last year. So it should be good to see him whacking it around. And there's Sabuun Devizi as well. And Sabuun has an, an incredible story in his own right. And Chris, I'm sure, will help us discuss that a little bit more. Um, a few more players to, to look out for, just looking at, at some of their national team squad. We've got Hilal Ahmed, uh, Hilal Ahmad, and Arshad Hayat as well. So to quickly run through the format of the competition with 16 teams, it means there is a weekend per group and there is four groups or there are four groups. So on the first weekend, we have the Visigoths, United Cricket Club, Bohemian Cricket Club and the PCC Kings all playing in that weekend and we'll have a winner from that group and then they'll do that for the next three weeks in the next three groups. So it is, again, quite a lot to take in. But yeah, 16 teams, a group plays... Every weekend, group A, B, C, and D. And then we have a finals weekend as well come the the end of that competition. So looking forward to it immensely from the Czech Republic. And again, the European Cricket Network will broadcast all of that. And just quickly before we do chat to Chris Pierce, there have been a couple more competitions from the ECM that have come through in recent days. Uh, to Sweden, where there will be a competition starting on Monday, June 15, the European Cricket Series uh, in Stockholm Uh, And it will start with a triple header there. And we also have the Hanover hit out in Germany beginning and being completed over the weekend. So we'll have plenty of news in regards to both those competitions on next week's show. Uh, A couple of other news tidbits before we do eventually chat to Chris. Uh, The news coming from the ICC in regards to the T20 World Cup is, well, there isn't any news. Everyone is still striving to get that tournament up and running. Any decision on that World Cup will come next month as well as the ICC Women's Cricket World Cup 2021 with the board expressing its desire to continue to assess and evaluate the rapidly changing public health situation. Uh, Two competitions that were affected though, uh, Cricket World Cup League 2 in Scotland, the next leg of Cricket World Cup League 2, that's been postponed as well as the Challenge League leg that was set to be competed in Uganda. Again, we'll have more news as it comes to hand. But for now, it's time to check in with Chris Pierce in the Czech Republic as we discuss the upcoming Super Series as part of the European Cricket Network and other development in the country. Well, we have had a star-studded list join us on the Emerging Cricket Podcast. We are delighted to welcome yet another from the middle of a field in the Czech Republic, Chris Pierce. Thanks for joining us. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Now, you've worn many hats in the Czech Republic. I thought it would be more fitting for you to describe your current role within the Czech setup. It seems as if you've taken a, a developmental side to things, but you are in the middle of a field preparing for the European Cricket Series. Describe your role in Czech Cricket. My main role is as head coach of Cricket of Art Academy, which is the development partner of the Česko Moravský Cricket Svaz or the Czech Cricket Union. Um, so basically, I'm leading a team of coaches going into schools and trying to grow the sport among Czech kids here in the basic schools. Um, on top of that, we've recently, I, I imagine people have heard about the tragic passing of Scott Page, who is our head groundsman. So as I'm here now, uh, we're basically just trying to get things uh, up to scratch, ready for the, the season as well as taking up the groundsman's duties at the moment. And there's plenty of other stuff as well. <laughs> Event management uh, or uh, assisting with that, um, the tournaments that we have here, and a bit of coaching, trying to help the national team out uh, a little bit as well, and try and play whenever I've got a spare minute. In between all that. Yeah, I saw on Twitter you had a, a net session just the other day, 
Uh, you described it as normally a torturous affair, even at a club net. This year, I started with the national team and surprised myself positively. Even managed to middle a few. Uh, what's this, what's the national team set up like in the in the Czech Republic? We've seen a few records being broken by the Czech national team. How have you guys been going? I know the the pandemic has probably stifled a few plans, but it seems as if you guys are going from strength to strength. Yeah, definitely. Uh, especially over the last few years, the strength has just gone up exponentially, exponentially, and that. Uh, has basically been seen through, throughout the league with the growth in the number of teams. I mean, we're not akin to, to Germany um, with our growth. I think we're up to 16 teams now. And if we go back to, to when I arrived here about nine, ten years ago, you were looking at about five teams, I think it was. And the strength of the teams was fairly village. <laughs> um, I hope the guys don't, don't mind me saying that. But it's just become stronger and stronger all the time to the point where we, a few years ago, we had to split into two divisions because there was like a big gulf, obviously, between your social cricketers and, and sort of the guys who were pushing towards the national team. And in the last couple of years, there's so many guys that have um, become eligible for the national team, have been training harder. And I think as soon as you start having competition for places, everybody starts uh, taking things a, a little bit more seriously. Um, they're training harder, trying to push themselves into the setup to not lose their spots. Uh, those guys who were already in it. And since we, we obviously got the, the T20 international status that we can play, the guys have really been pushing very hard, preparing for building up the fitness trainings, uh, which used to be a little bit sporadic and now a regular occurrence. And uh, it's best when you get those the cream and the crop together and they're just push, pushing each other on, building camaraderie. Um, this is all led by national team manager Vojta Hasha, former uh, national team captain. He's really brought the guys together uh, under the captaincy of Fed Knowles. Uh, the guys have done amazing. I think we won the, the CE Cup here last year. And then, if I remember right, they, they were second in Romania, uh, losing out to Austria in the final. It was, yeah, they're really doing well. Uh, the, the performance is just getting better and better. I like how you try to move things away from yourself there, talking about everyone else that's been involved with cricket there. But you said that you've been there for nine or, or ten years. How does a guy with a very English accent, with a background in account management, who has also worked as a chef during his studies, end up starting up a not-for-profit cricket development company in the Czech Republic? Uh, great question. Um, with, uh, <laughs> with my now wife, we were just about to... Um look at getting a house. Uh, I was working in IT sales at the time and got, got the money for a deposit, basically. And we were just about to get into the whole system, uh, if you can call it the system, you know, getting the, the big mortgage and locked into having to work uh, in sales forevermore. And she basically said to me, well, you're not really enjoying it. You know, the money's great, but you're not really enjoying it. So rather than us getting the house and, and getting ourselves in big debt, why don't you do something that you love? So with basically discussions progressed and uh, we actually kind of uh, met where she came to uh, a junior tournament that I was running uh, among the international schools so that was obviously high in her mind uh, of ideas and yeah we basically were discussing it for a few months and then uh, yeah took the plunge. So I see that you've done an, an MBA majoring in in marketing you, did you have this in your mind when you started this um, degree or not and then how has it helped you in in develop this company from scratch? The academy, not so much. Uh, there was always, like whenever we were doing projects in the NBA, my classmates were all, always a bit annoyed because I was trying to make the pro projects into cricket ones. <laughs> For example, I came up with the idea of like a, a tour company and did basically the entire business plan for getting cricket tours coming to Prague. Might be something I need to revisit with how things are. But yeah, it was always in the back of like, I'm, I'm cricket mad completely so th there's always going to be a cricket tie there and, and to the second part of your question like how much has it helped a lot more recently as things have gotten bigger and we've kind of expanded and um, there's lots of the 
different things that you study from accounting, financial management, all the way to like leadership. There's little snippets that you take from all of it, which I've definitely brought in at different stages uh, along the way. To bring it to 2020, and I don't think anyone would have imagined how 2020 would pan out. In terms of Europe and, and, and the way that COVID is, has played a part in, I suppose, the, the history of, of how things you know go on for, for decades and decades, the Czech Republic seemed to be a country where uh, coping with COVID has been a little bit better done than a couple of other places in parts of Europe to the point where you guys are about to host a European cricket series uh, in, a ma- in a matter of days now. What has the situation of COVID been like in the Czech Republic and, and how, do you, how do you assess the Czech Republic's coping of COVID and to bring it back to cricket, how keen are you to, to show cricket potentially to the world with this Czech series of the European cricket series coming up? That's a big, broad question <laughs> um, to cover the, the, the COVID part. I mean, my, my personal view is, is time will tell. They've done the, the Czech government lockdown really early and really quite hard. So the number of people that were infected here uh, were basically stomped on from the beginning. We've, I think we're, uh, the last time I looked, we were something like 57th in the world, uh, and we seem to be dropping all the time there. As, uh, alongside the, the sort of what the government did, uh, the Czech people seem to be being really sensible, which is reassuring. Um, not the case in some other countries, I might say. Where the, the social distancing rules that they're following, we're, I think we were one of the, the first in the world to go towards the face masks. Uh, which everybody, of course, they, they weren't readily available. So within days, there were like, who knows how many YouTube videos on how to uh, sew your masks. Uh, and there's a Czech expression uh, here, Zlaté Ruce, which is like golden hands. So the, the, the Czechs are really good practically. So everybody just got involved with, with getting the masks made. And, and then within a couple of days of, of that sort of going out from, from the government, uh, everybody had one, everyone was wearing one. And we think that's one of the, the major contributing factors to why the Czech Republic did so well in the early stages. Um, yeah, at the start of the summer, the start of the whole COVID thing, we were thinking that, you know, the season could potentially be over. Um, so when things started to steady down a little bit here and the, the talk was getting some cricket in was was really exciting. Uh, and then our uh, COO, uh, Terry O'Connor, was in discussions with Dan Weston uh, about potentially launching the, the, this T10 series. It gave Terry a bit of a headache, I think, because he, with how the government initially set the launch and then they changed it like two or three times, so fixtures and things like that, he, he was really busy <laughs> adjusting it uh, pretty much on a weekly basis, They're like the entire uh, season's worth of, of fixtures. But anyway, so we're getting underway in June 13th. And it's going to be fantastic. We've now got 16 teams coming from three different cities, Prague, Brno, and Česká Budějovice. Uh, and there's a nice mix of our national team guys across a lot of these teams. So I think it's going to be really competitive. The guys have been training like crazy. As soon as they got a sniff that they're going to be on TV, their families are going to, uh, going to be seeing them play. Training has gone through the roof across the board, which added some complications in, uh, because when we first managed to open our, our nets, uh, in the center of town, we have like a three bay net. Um, the restrictions were that I think it was up to 10 people total. Oh no, even before that, it was two people. So to, so we had that, but thankfully they got uh, raised to, to 10 people. So we could kind of uh, increase the number of people that were able to train, but it was a big strain on resources with first the influx uh, of, um, let's say, casual cricketers who became diehards in the drop of one piece of information um, and, and the restrictions. So uh, it's it's been a massive plus for us and we just can't wait to, to get underway. So you, you just talked about how um, the, the knowledge of being on TV 
TV and how that's uh, you know encouraged them to start taking it a bit more seriously. Um, how important is that partnership with the European Cricket League and um, I guess Daniel Weston's uh, organisation more generally? You know, how, how important is that to Czech cricket development plans and um, you know, what's the partnership actually uh, bringing you? Massively important in, in us being able to spread what we're doing, uh, where, we're, where we're getting to. If you were to tell us a couple of years ago that our season, our our leagues were going to be broadcast, uh, we probably would have had a good chuckle because it would have seemed so far away. The work that Dan's doing has kind of just made it possible, which is uh, massive kudos to him. I think that from my perspective, um, in terms of the development side, what we're trying to do is, is get ourselves known among Czech people, a sport that is really not traditional at all here people confuse it with polo they confuse it with croquet yeah i mean we have like part of our registration forms for our kids and uh, one of the parents was like um our, our child can't jump into water so i don't know if they thought it was water polo or something I have no idea and the other one another one was asking if um we we provide the horses <laughs> so that's the kind of level of knowledge of cricket here um so yeah for us to have something that's televised it's going to give us so much material that we're going to be able to work with like before this all kicks off we're going to be recording some like um basic introductory explanations of what the format is the layout on tv or on the coverage where you see the score and things like this help them understand that a little bit more but then after the fact when we there's the little highlight clips and, and things like this to be able to then dissect those for our kids who <laughs> maybe it's a really long answer but when we first started we didn't focus so much on a lot of the international school kids so a lot of uh, excuse me using but expat kids and we're really focused on on the Czech basic schools, the the public schools. I was getting them to a certain level. We were getting them to a certain level, but then they they weren't seeing like the guys coming off the longer runs and really putting the energy in. And as much as uh, like as a short wicketkeeper, I'd love to show them how quick, quick I can bowl. My action's not the best. Um, so then we we started bringing in um, some of the international school kids. Uh, we set up like a hardball club, and now we're merging the two. And those kids who were coming off a few paces, no matter how hard I told them you know like you've got to come in harder you've got to bowl faster because the next set of kids you meet are going to be uh, hitting this bowling because you're not faster they were like yeah whatever <laughs> and then they went to the first training with these kids or they, they, we did some junior national team stuff last October November and they were playing against the, the Hungarians who had been playing together for, for much longer it was a real eye-opener for them so drawing that back to the question um, about how it's going to help us having these clips that the kids are going to go well actually that was in Prague these are the guys who are playing for our national team this is how they're doing it all of hopefully <laughs> what I've been telling them they're going to see it they're going to have the visual evidence of Sudesh Wickramasekhar storming in and knocking the stumps everywhere and they're going to want to replicate it hopefully so you've just talked about um, Prague and it being hosted there. That gets me wondering, you know, what are the logistics around the, you know, the national leagues? It seems largely centered on Prague, though you mentioned that, that there will be teams coming from other parts of the country. So, you know, how do you guys go with bringing the game around the whole country rather than just being in one city? Yeah, it's not just based in uh, Prague. We have three main grounds. Uh, so we've got this one here um, in Vinoj. Then there is a ground in Velvari which is about half an hour north of Prague, let's say. Uh, and then there's a ground in Brno. So all three of the grounds are going to be used for the Super Series. 
so we've got four weekends in total of group stages. Um, so there's two going to be held here in Vinoj and then one each in, in Belver in Brno. And then the winner of each of those groups will be coming to Prague for the, for the finals, the uh, finals weekend. And uh, I guess I should explain a little bit more about the, the, the league setup. We're not quite at the stage yet where we can have regional leagues. So the, the complete Czech league so that, the guys in Brno have a lot of traveling to do. Obviously, uh, Terry does what he can to try and lighten the amount of travel that they need to do, like combining games on the same day so they never come just for one T20. And for example, they'll play two back-to-back uh, when they do need to travel. But yeah, eventually, hopefully, now we're getting more and more guys and hopefully from the, the interest that will be built through this, we can, we can start looking at having a, a Brno league somehow uh, and then a Prague league and then I would imagine they would meet but yeah I, I don't want to speak for Terry I'm <laughs> telling him what to do a little bit but yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe that's going to be the way forward I imagine. So just on that you, you mentioned this field that you're at the uh, the Scott Page field tell us a bit about the field and then maybe uh, explain who Scott Page was and, and you know his, his uh, influence on Czech cricket more generally. Okay, so the um, the Scott Page Field um, is uh, one of two fields that we have at the Vinoj uh, Cricket Ground. The other field being the Banks Field, named after the Banks family or Hugo Banks, who their family basically owns this land. And Hugo put in about eight years ago, I think it was, uh, started work in turning some farmland uh, into this beautiful cricket ground. He was working uh, a lot on his own in the beginning, in the early days, uh, getting everything flat, getting the grass in and then forever mowing it. Uh, so when, uh, unfortunately, Scott passed away a few weeks ago, it, the idea was raised of naming the second field here, which used to be called the Chateau Field, uh, after Scott. Uh, so the, the clubs agreed on, on the name, the, the Scott Page Field. Uh, Scott, <laughs> Scott was an amazing bloke who got lots of stuff done. Uh, he, I think he, he's been here from the very beginning of Czech cricket when essentially it was Prague Cricket Club uh, that started cricket here. He was involved in, in setting up the, the very first cricket nets at, at the venue where we still have them. Uh, so we sort of built upon that start. The Velvary Cricket Ground, Scott built on his own, basically um, through a relationship with, with the family of, of a local here. They had some spare land. Um, they were keen on cricket. Uh, they had a, a Pakistani background, I think. And they allocated the land. Scott worked on it, uh, built it up from scratch. And that's been going now for, I think, three years. It's a beautiful little ground. I guess you'll see more, more, of, more of it on the stream if you tune in. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he was he was a cracking bloke who had an amazing heart. Was always trying to help people, and he was cricket mad. He, he was doing a lot of junior development work before before I arrived here. So we, we started working together in my early days here with work at some international schools, and he was always helping out with junior tournaments and things like this. So he's left a really big hole. Um, he made a huge impact on Czech cricket up until today, and it's uh, kind of fitting that what a beautiful new field. Hopefully, where Czech cricket will take its next steps with. Uh, T20 internationals and the likes will be held and not to, of course to mention the the super series will be on that field it's fitting that it was named uh, named after him he was a, he was a, a top character so we've seen a huge focus from you in developing young junior cricketers uh, in the Czech Republic with your dream being to see a Czech team compete at the Olympics full of Czech players who have learnt their cricket in the Czech Republic. We're well aware of how much time and effort you put into the idea of developing these Czech players and you've discussed some of the, the difficulties and some of the novelties of it already. How many days a week are you taking out of, of your time to 
to do these training sessions, training courses. How many Czech cricketers have you seen at a junior level take up the sport? What are the numbers like at the moment? Um, okay, so let's take it with, um, in terms of uh, the number of Czechs that have taken it up, up until around 2017, 2018, uh, the academy had been running for a couple of years. And we managed to get somewhere in the region of 70 or 80 kids playing. We were quite happy at that time, but we knew that was sort of nowhere near the, a sustainable level. We, need, we needed to get a lot more. Unfortunately, at the same time, we, we kind of run, run out of money for the academy uh, to, to continue. So, but we decided to give it one final go. And I think that was in the spring of 2018. Renata, my wife, basically rejigged a, a few things in the, in the background, which meant that we could, we could scale up and do a lot more. That spring, I think we grew by three, if I'm, my memory serves me, 327% or something like that. We, we really grew up to around 300 kids through lots and lots more um, after-school clubs at uh, different new schools uh, after the introduction. At the moment, uh, well, basically in the last year, we struggled uh, because of capacity, basically. We, we had a lot more kids, which has a lot more administration work behind it. And we, we were essentially at that time like a, a two-man, one-man, one-woman and, and their dog um, operation. Uh, and it was just really tough to, to keep going. I was coaching pretty much every day and going into schools in the mornings then after school clubs in the afternoon. And then we were dealing with all the admin work on, on the side of that. And it was just really not manageable. So throughout 2019, we, we, we kind of took a back step a little bit. We, we stopped focusing on trying to grow as much as we were before. And we focused on trying to streamline everything, uh, all the processes that we had from billing the parents and things like this, I, all the boring stuff that nobody likes, I guess. Uh, we, we just needed to get in order. So we managed to, to get all that. And then this spring was, was the time when we were going to go again. Like we were, I'd already, we'd already launched an after school club in Brno. Uh, our second city, we, were lo we had so many uh, introductory classes lined up for us to get a lot more volume. Uh, we were all prepared for it. And then I think we had one class in Brno before COVID hit, which immediately cancelled uh, countless uh, introductory classes, which is thousands of kids that basically just got put on hold. And hopefully we're going to be able to revisit them in September. In terms of uh, the, the first part of your question, now I remember it. Basically, uh, this is what we do full time. Uh, my wife and I, we, we run the, the academy. Me from the coaching side, Renata runs the, basically the business side of it. And we have a team of something like 20 coaches uh, who are all, well, mostly uh, Czech university students who didn't necessarily know too much about cricket before they, they started with us. But thanks to uh, some work we did early on with the help of Alan Harrison from uh, Nottinghamshire Cricket Board and Darren Talbot from T20 Community Cricket. And we developed a, a level one or a first stage of a coaching course, which we, we now deliver in Czech, but those gents helped uh, so much in, in setting that up so we could take a university student from the very not even knowing what cricket was and within a few hours they would be able to start coaching and then basically we've been building on that to try and build up their um, sort of technical technical knowledge with insight cricket but the most important thing for us is is not at this stage of our development is not to have a million Ben Stokeses in the beginning that people are simply just playing like take away from looking at the excuse the, the term take away thinking about quality and we just need quantity in the beginning to then be able to to focus more on the quality which is kind of where we're just starting to do so you talked about the i guess you, you need the, the quantity and you you're 
trying to ramp up this season after sorting out some admin stuff. It, it reminds me a bit of talking to um, Evan McCall in, in the Philippines and, and he was saying, you know, he was making the point that they want to have something to support kids who, who get interested in cricket. That There needs to be somewhere for them to go. So what is the pathway there for kids who, um, for, for a Czech kid who discovers that, you know, he or she actually really likes cricket. So, so it'll all start with uh, the introductory classes that we do. So we'll, we'll go into the school, we'll have the kids or uh, one to two classes, so 30 to 60 kids together for 45 minutes, and that's the first touch. And they get a nice little flyer at the end of that saying, you know, if you like cricket, then maybe you should think about joining our after-school club. Uh, we'll have pre-agreed with the school um, that we'll, we'll be able to rent a field or hall or whatever it would be uh, from them once a week. So that'll be the first sort of commitment from the kids, a first uh, foot in the door that they'll start playing in the after-school club. From there, we built competitions. So we started with tournaments uh, twice a year, one indoor, one outdoor, uh, our Rodney Daniel Family Day, uh, and then the Cricket of Art Academy Cup, or the Czech Cricket Academy Cup, um, the two big events. So, so then they started playing against kids from other schools, uh, started seeing how some of them do things in a different way, able to bring in the more competitive side of it not just among their classmates or schoolmates and now it's interesting I mean in in some ways COVID has has helped us because we were kind of struggling to then get the kids to come to out of school clubs so we could start seeing them more times a week and and basically trying to like improve the the technical skills and we tried we we got some low numbers in, in the first lot of clubs I mean we've got a few clubs like Rostocky which is um, a suburb just north of Prague. Uh, things are going great there. I mean, they've got more kids than we can handle at the minute. But COVID kind of stopped us from being able to do our after-school clubs, our regular um, activities. And the kids are still craving cricket. We get, Renata's getting calls every day, like, when are you starting again? You know, like, my kids are going crazy. I need to give them an outlet. They keep asking for cricket, and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So we have started the, we've started the out-of-school clubs uh, by necessity at the moment, but it's exactly where we wanted to go to anyway. The only slight little thing we've done is that there's a word in Czech, krojek, which is basically means after-school club, which is normally associated with a, with a school. And the kids are a lot more comfortable going into a krojek than they are a club, which is seen as more professional and, and there's a lot more attached to it. So we've simply just called these krojki, or the plural of the word, so the kids are a lot more comfortable in joining. And, you know, for us, they've actually just joined a club. But per what, how we've advertised it it, it, it is a project. It's a real subtle difference. But I think it's, um, it's a, a barrier we've managed to get rid of uh, through this. But it's also given, like COVID presented us with this opportunity of, of starting these clubs, which hopefully we've now learned how to do it. And that's going to be the, sort of the next progression. Um, we have one hardball group. They're up to about 30 kids now. Um, that are playing every Saturday. Uh, so when we see um, a super talented kid, super keen kid, who is part of one of these other clubs, because because the majority of what we do is all softball. So we're talking plastic equipment, plastic balls, plastic bats, which is, it, I mean, in a country like ours, it's the only way to begin because they've, they've got no pre-knowledge about cricket. So parents watching on the sidelines will be chatting and they won't have it in their minds that a hard cricket ball could be coming in the, their direction when a kid clobbers it. Or they won't even be looking after their little, little baby right because they're just not thinking about that kind of thing and then that's not even mentioning the cost of all the extra equipment that's required in hardball and on top of that this infrastructure this very limited area where you've got a set of land like this here where you could fit a proper cricket field 
we're planning forwards. Um, there's going to be a lot more. Uh, I mean, I envisage that at some point we're going to be starting the softball cricket leagues because there's just a lot of interest in that, and, and that will give them a chance to get better, but also hopefully give them a, a stronger taste, let's say, for heading towards some some hardball cricket, and and that will in turn. I mean, we're, we're talking about a long, long term thing here when we're. We're not expecting to be able to have, uh, you mentioned my Twitter profile, goal of getting the, the Czech-born team in the Olympics. I mean, I'm going to be an old man when, the, <laughs> when, when that happens. We're, we're looking to build sustainably um, in the long run. I've got Renato waving at me and telling me, uh-uh. So I'm not going to be an old man, apparently. <laughs> it's going to be in the next few years, but it's going to be a long-term process to get everything built, a, a proper pathway. Uh, we see it as a ladder towards you know where we're trying to get to and there's still many steps that we still need to add there yeah i hope i answered your question that was a really long answer (laughs) we'll have part two of our chat with chris next week and as we said at the top of the podcast don't forget to subscribe to the emerging cricket podcast pass the pot around and give us a five-star review if you want to support us financially go to patreon that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash emerging cricket where you can support us from as little as two dollars us a month to gain access to extended versions of our podcast and you can also have a say in the show's direction but for now on behalf of nick skinner tim cutler and myself daniel beswick see you next week